alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the 74th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm driven by my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. It is a, it was a hot ass day out today. I get Minnesota hot. I'm sure you're going to come here when you come visit in a few weeks and you're going to be uh, cold as shit. I'll probably be dying of, uh, from the humidity, actually, when I get there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's funny because this morning, it, or I should say maybe last night, this morning it was storming. I was like, okay, it's going to be a nice, brisk day if I go for a walk or whatever. And I get out there and it is humid as fuck. So that was a bad mistake. Yeah, every time it rains here or you see clouds in the sky, you just dread it because you know tomorrow is going to be just humid as fuck out every single day. Like it's- every time you see clouds at night, you know the next morning is going to be – and I'm not talking about like Iowa or Minnesota humidity. I'm talking about maybe like just a little bit of humidity, like 20 30%. But that's enough to kill you when it's 110 degrees outside. <laughs> that's very true. So, Phil, let's talk about the, I guess, kind of a big story, uh, the the asteroid that's headed Earth. Yeah, so apparently the day before the election, there's going to be an asteroid. And it is called, let me look this up, 2018 VP1. And according to the article, it's projected to come close to Earth on November 2nd. And it's a, it's a pretty small one. It's only about six to seven meters or six to seven feet across. So it's not going to be like a huge impact or anything like that. Also, another good thing is it only has about a 0.41% chance of actually coming into the Earth's atmosphere. So don't have to worry too much about it. You know what? It's funny. We were kind of talking before the show and if I my like Google News always pops up whatever horse shit, you know, and that was on there and it's like asteroid headed for Earth and NASA didn't know or something. And I clicked on it and then I'm reading it and then in the first paragraph, like you said, it's like an asteroid has a chance to hit the Earth. That was the most extreme clickbait I've ever seen. But for 2020, that's pretty interesting timing. We got to give it that. Honestly, Everyone's always talking about their apocalypse bingo, and I think an asteroid strike, if this thing does come into the Earth's atmosphere, the Earth is has like it's covered by so much water that it hitting land, that's another like small percentage. But if it did and it hit in a city, for 2020, I could totally buy it. It just it would be like, oh, of course. Of course it hits downtown New York. Of course it hits LA, Chicago, London, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, and then President Trump can say Joe Biden launched an asteroid with the arachnids on a different planet (laughs) to uh, throw off the election. What if, okay, so it comes into Earth's atmosphere, burns up a little bit, and then it's headed directly for Pittsburgh, but then there's smog atmosphere 
it can't penetrate that and it just turns into a little pebble. I could imagine it. That's like the Simpsons episode when uh, that asteroid was coming and everyone was afraid it was going to destroy the Earth. It was heading right for Springfield. But I believe Homer in the beginning of the episode said, oh, don't worry about it. It's just going to burn up and be like just a little pebble that hits the ground. And then that actually happened. But yeah, I could totally see it coming near Pittsburgh and just the stench coming from that city just vaporizes the asteroid. And there's nothing left of it. You know what is funny? I've I've actually like had an itching. I've watched The Simpsons. Everybody and their moms watch the goddamn Simpsons. But I haven't ever fully watched it, you know, to see the uh, the full evolution of the series. But... It doesn't seem like you can watch it on any streaming services. So I actually borrow my brother's Disney Plus, and it is on Disney Plus. That's why you can't watch it anywhere else, because it's Disney. So they have like all, what are they at, like 35 seasons now? I believe they have maybe not all the seasons. This was back, I haven't actually looked at that Disney Plus, because once you've watched like all of the I basically watched maybe some of the Star Wars series and uh, the movies, and then I was done with it. But yeah, they had most of the seasons back. It was about a year ago that huh. I watched it. I do have access to Disney Plus. Maybe I will have to do that because I am. I actually do want to kind of watch. I know like the first season's kind of. Is the first season supposed to be the best one, or is it like the second or third? They really started hitting their stride seasons three through. Maybe eight or nine, I think. That's when everyone was wearing Bart Simpson t-shirts and sh- the video games came out and all that stuff. So I, I was just going to say, the so they had that big speedrunning event that they play on Twitch or whatever, and they had the guy who was playing the Simpsons arcade game. Do you remember that thing? Yes, I do. There's actually a Simpsons arcade game at one of the arcade bars that I go to out here in Gilbert. Oh, that's pretty sick. That's pretty sweet. I'd play that. Yeah, it's a it's a really good game. It's always pre-COVID when that bar was brand new and completely full. You could not get on that Simpsons arcade game. There was people just standing around it waiting to get on that one and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Now you can just walk up and play it. Was it which Turtles was? I think we talked about this. Was it Turtles in Time or was it one of the other ones? It was one of the other ones, uh, not Turtles in Time. It's probably the uh, what the I think it's number two. I feel like that's what it is. Were you were, were you hanging out with us or like kind of when they had that like Christian community center in high school and we'd go over there because they had an NES and then we'd play that Ninja Turtles game? The old Pomida. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was there a few times. Yeah. Yeah. And then it got shut down because no one was buying Christian books or whatever the hell they were selling in there. We were just there for the free soda and hell the place yeah. to hang out. I think he actually thought we were going to convert. Yeah, I wouldn't, obviously. That's that. That's the same people, the famous Paul from Mabes. He belonged to that church, I believe. Uh, I'm sure he did. Anyway, yeah. Phil, let, let me let you take us into the journey of this week's subject. So to start off really quick, I wanted to thank one of our great fans out there. He wrote us a five-star review and actually gave us the idea for this show. That reviewer put his name as Deadpool Wilson on the Apple podcasting app for the reviews. So thank you, Deadpool Wilson, for the five-star review and for the great idea for today's episode. Hell yeah, thank you, man. Uh, I guess 
it took me a minute to realize, but I think Deadpool's name, real name, is actually Wade Wilson. Oh, okay. I'm not a huge comic book person, <laughs> but the the same letter for the first and last name is kind of, uh, I think it's a Marvel thing. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue nice. Yeah. So to jump right into this, before we start today's episode, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you ever been to a ghost town before? Not a real one, but Lime Springs, Iowa is slowly <laughs> turning into one. Yes. In about 20 years, the town that we grew up in Lime Springs, Iowa, will be a ghost town. Um, There are a couple that I've driven through. Uh, One was out in Alamakee County in uh, two counties away from Howard County where we grew up. And it was a ghost town. There was just just one little road, a couple of houses and businesses. They were all boarded up. And it freaked me the fuck out because it felt like people were watching me through the windows. Really? It sounds like a real hills have eyes moment there, Phil. Yeah, well, it is along the river, and it's that part along the river where it starts getting kind of hilly, so it was a little freaky. Was there a kid playing a banjo out in front by chance? No, there wasn't, but had there been, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. (laughs) And it was up in the hills, and like the woods were starting to, looked like the woods were starting to take the town back, so... Okay. Kind of freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good you didn't uh, get out and ask for directions, I suppose. Yeah. Well, the the bad thing is I was lost as fuck and running out of gas. But luckily, I made it to walk on. So. Mm, okay. Well, that's yeah. Iowa for you. Go ahead and visit all our fans. Yeah, definitely. So, during the 19th century, newly acquired lands to the west of the original colonies were a place full of wild, untamed lands. They were full of resources and opportunities where an entrepreneurial man or in the rare cases, woman could stake out a piece of earth and begin their own personal empire. Now, these new adventurers would then attract others to follow the trail that they had blazed and fulfill every need that the growing population in that area would require. Okay, so I'm I'm just going to guess here, Phil, being the Midwest or whatever, Obviously, there's an entrepreneurial man who decided that I think it's Iowa needed a delectable water park called Noah's Ark. Are you familiar with this? Yes, I am. And I think that's Wisconsin. <laughs> it's a Wisconsin. I it's guess Wisconsin. it'd be more fitting. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, we we've been there before. It's uh, was there a two of every animal? <laughs> I guess maybe that's not a is that a Christian park? I don't know. I don't, I assume they had a giant boat there. Yeah, now I'm kind of wishing I didn't spend any money there. But I was broke at the time, so I probably didn't. They didn't make you recite Bible passages as you're going down the slip and slide, did they? No, they didn't. It was the Big Apache Park, possibly, that we went to. They had the old roller coasters mixed in with go-kart tracks. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. That is fun. Anyway, continue yeah. on, Phil. So eventually, the people in these areas would organize and create villages and townships, and in some cases, would even become what is known as a boomtown, seeming to explode in population overnight. However, many of these municipalities, for one reason or another, would suffer the fate of gradual emigration of citizens and turn into a ghost town, devoid of the once bustling activities and commerce that raised the town from nothing. They now stand still in time, succumbing to the land's wild past, taking them back. So in the United States, the land is dotted with these former towns and cities. 
But for today's episodes, we will be discussing just one township. Now, Cody, have you ever heard of the township of Boston, Ohio, known in paranormal circles as Helltown? I have not. I've heard of Boston, Massachusetts. I've heard of, uh, is it Ohio, Iowa? Yeah, I do believe there's an Ohio, Iowa. (laughs) That always trips me up. But no, I've never heard of it, but it sounds ominous. Yeah. So the state of Ohio, known primarily for one very good football team and many, many more very bad ones, was admitted to the Union after Thomas Jefferson signed the Enabling Act of 1802, allowing new territories to the west of the original colonies to form into states. That would be on equal footing with the original 13 states and the ones that had just become states after the original 13 colonies. Mm. Now, the Ohio Constitution was sent to Washington, D.C. in 1802, and the official date of statehood is March 1st, 1803. However, even though the Constitution was sent to Washington, D.C., they actually forgot to ratify it, so it didn't officially become ratified until 1953, and that's when some school teachers apparently found out after going to the Library of Congress that the Constitution of Ohio was not in the library because of that reason. Okay, well, I mean, if we're being fair here, that sounds like a very Ohio thing. Yeah, it it does sound like a very United States government thing back then. It was very United States back when it started was not the powerhouse that we think of it now. They were still just kind of trying to figure things out. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that they would just kind of forget about something like that. (laughs) So when Thomas Jefferson signed the Enabling Act of 1802, is that when he created the Cincinnati Bengals? It could possibly be when the Cincinnati Bengals (laughs) started. He got, what's it, uh, Boomer Esiason to come play? Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing some of the ages of those NFL owners – the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals could possibly have been there in 1802 for the signing. So I have no idea. <laughs> my, okay. My understanding is they, okay. You had the Cleveland Browns. They left to become the Baltimore Ravens. Then they brought back the Cincinnati Bengals and then they recreated Cincinnati or the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns, Browns. I think, yes, I think that's the, how the, how the whole thing went. I think. The genesis of the whole situation. Yeah, so Cleveland Browns, the second Cleveland Browns was an expansion team. And for some reason, they didn't rename the team to try to give them some new spice. They just went with, you know, everyone already has the jerseys. So even though most of the people burned the jerseys when they left town. So (laughs) I don't blame them. Yeah, I'd be fucking pissed, too. So now getting back to Beta Boston. The township of Boston, Ohio, officially organized in 1811, six years after an expedition to the newly bought lands of Simon Perkins, and he is possibly of shitty restaurant fame. I did not confirm it, but I just assume. So after 1805, the party came back in 1806, and they would build a log cabin on the land that would eventually become present-day Boston Cemetery which will become part of the paranormal legends that we're going to discuss in this episode. I actually think you're right, because I'm I'm assuming, Phil, in 1811, Sam Perkins was blasted out of his mind. It was like two in the morning, and he is starving. He's craving pancakes. And he's like, Fuck, how come I can't get pancakes anywhere? So then he created Perkins, which is up 24, or, you know, is open 24 hours a day for drunk people. 
Yeah, and still serving that same shitty food that he <laughs> created back then. Hey, Perkins is better than Denny's. That is true. I give him that. I, there, but Denny's really, really isn't that good. So <laughs> no, but Denny's is better than Applebee's, maybe. Yeah, there are some rare good Applebee's, but there's a lot of very bad Applebee's too. Mm. Twenty years ago, a lot of really good Applebee's, but they've all fucking taken a shit. But getting back to the story, <laughs> so so many settlers to this new land were from New England, and eventually. The building of the Ohio and Erie Canal in this area between the years of 1825 and 1827 would bring in even more new residents, some of which decided to stay in the area after the building of the canal. Many of them Irish Catholics from New York and Canada, and this brought in the first members of the Catholic Church to the region. So now it makes sense why it's called Boston, Ohio. You got a bunch of drunk Irish people. They just assume... Where they're staying at is call is Boston, so they just are like, this is Boston now. Yeah, they're just they get shit faced before they hop on the boat. Once they cross the rivers and get into the canals, somebody kicks them. They wake up. They think they're just still in Boston, <laughs> and then they day drink because they're Irish. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe this isn't Boston, but I don't like. It. I'm gonna keep drinking. <laughs> it might as well be getting the same drunk here as I did there. So the canal would bring in new opportunities, including an easy way to ship out the agriculture and manufacturing goods from the area, including paper, which was made from the many forests in the area. So after the extension of the railroads to the area in the 1880s, the canal would see a decline in traffic. And this happened all over the country when the railroads came in. Uh, Mississippi River, the riverboats had a drastic decline after the railroads started going north and south rather than just east and west. Well, I guess it makes sense why they turned them into casinos then. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they had to do something with them. Yeah. So eventually, after the flood of 1913, the canal boats would be completely taken out of commission. Mm. By the 1970s, the area of Boston Township was an area full of thriving communities. However, in 1974, President Gerald Ford signed into legislation an act that would allow the park services to buy up land to save the United States' struggling forests. Now, this would have a negative impact on the area, as the legislation allowed the park services to buy up land without negotiation. And this was not only remote, uninhabited forests, but also inhabited lands, uh, including lands where people had homes. Now, this would force these residents out of their homes and these homes would be set to be demolished at a later date. This resulted in a mass exodus of citizens from Boston Township. So are they basically living on uninhabited land? They don't, I mean, technically they they don't own that property, but they've been living on it. Is that kind of what I'm understanding from this? No, these people owned oh. that property. There were people who owned that property. But then the park service came in and said, you know what? We want to turn. So say someone had a farm. They would be like, oh, so we want your farm to be turned back into forests. So they would buy up their land, including like the plot of land that their house was on. They would buy that land from them, force them to evict and then board up their house. Oh, wow. OK, well, that's not cool. Yeah. And this happened not only to farmers, but also to people living in the towns and the cities. Well, I guess you really couldn't call them cities because they weren't that big. 
but the people living even in towns that were incorporated had all of their land bought up and their houses boarded up. What do you know what sector of Ohio like Boston is at? So this is in northeast Ohio okay. and it's about 23 miles south of Cleveland. Okay, okay. Hmm. So you can definitely get if it's on a windy day and if it's coming from the north you can definitely get that really bad smell coming from Cleveland in this area, I assume. <laughs> Not confirmed, but I assume. I well, I would assume. No. So as you can imagine, being kicked out of their homes unceremoniously did not go over very well. And there was even a lot of graffiti in some of these old homes and buildings. One of the villages in Boston Township had a home with some graffiti on it, and it stated, now we know how the Indians felt. I assume they were talking about the Indians from the continent of India and not the indigenous Americans, because that wouldn't be very PC. (laughs) No, I don't think so, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly <laughs> what they meant. Yeah, this probably that graffiti was probably written in the 70s or 80s. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I mean, if we're being fair, that technically was the proper term during that time, or maybe not the proper term, but that's the term everybody used. That was probably the nicest term. Yeah, that someone would use to talk about indigenous Americans I back mean, then. I mean, didn't Crayola have Indian red up until like 10 years ago? <laughs> No, I'm I'm, I, I'm I'm serious though. Maybe I don't know. I know sure that did. there was a controversy with they had a color called flesh, but then they changed it to peach. Huh. Okay. Because obviously not everyone's flesh color is yeah that color. So I well, I mean it just sounds gross. Like calling Having, something flesh, like oh, a color the flesh color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just referring to it as flesh, it sounds gross. Yeah. Well, a lot of things have changed in true. But I do, I do. A lot of things have changed in two years. I do know Crayola. That was the name of one of the color, or the color red for a long time. Yeah, I had, I didn't know about that. We were, we didn't have very much money growing up, so we didn't exactly have the sixty-four pack. <laughs> you had to stick with the twelve pack. We, we were, we were, we usually had the, I think the twenty-four pack. Mm. Well, didn't no, you, no, did, uh, no sharpener too. So. Well, and Jason usually ate them all, didn't he? so by the year 2000 80 percent of the boston township area would be owned by the federal government in what is known as the cuyahoga valley national park some of these homes were intentionally burnt down and this was to act as practice for local fire departments in putting out fires ah okay well i mean that's not so nice yeah Out of the ashes of this mass exodus, great legends have risen from this area. So when you said Helltown right at first, I the first thing that came to my mind was Silent Hill. Now that they're burning everything, there's probably ash everywhere. Kind of seems like it, right? Yeah. So they do have stories about I'm going to get into it in a little bit, but. I mean, you could definitely imagine how quickly people had to move out of this town. Imagine if you were taking a road through this town. Say you were going south from Cleveland and you just wanted to take the scenic route. Imagine you were driving through one of these towns or villages and you just saw all of these boarded up homes, boarded up buildings. And it's not like these buildings were owned or were old or run down. They were just new-ish houses boarded up. Hmm. Yeah, that's some of them were burnt down, you know. Well, if I mean, if I saw a fire with nobody around, I would just assume 
they were like my grandpa who used to start fires in the ditches and then just drive into town to pretend like he's like, oh, it'll burn unsupervised, no problem. And then sometimes there'd be a wildfire started. Yeah, that's not good. Don't do that, kids. No, that that's old school Iowa farming right there. Yeah. Well, they would burn down the ditches so that good grass would grow instead of the weeds. But and it's just like, just let it go. Well, they they didn't like to. Well, I mean, it's great to burn it to, you know, get rid of all the weeds and whatever. But you kind of got to watch the fire after you start it. Yeah, it's it's usually the good idea. <laughs> the, the, the nice thing to do. Your grandpa was pretty cool, though. Oh, pretty he was. Bad. He was. He loved wrestling. Yeah. So most of these homes and the land that these homes resided on were bought in mass, scheduled for later demolition by the U.S. government. However, just like most government projects, they fell drastically behind. And many of these boarded up homes could be found in line with burnt out homes spread throughout the area. This would lead to a government conspiracy to cover up the actual reason why the residents of the area had seemingly disappeared. See, this is interesting because I know the U.S. government generally can do some fucked up shit. We're not denying that, but... Them just kind of taking over these homes and burning them just seems like there has to be a little something more to the story. Yeah, it can't just be as simple as government overreach from the park services. It like there has to be something. And if you really think about it, how would the like why would the park services not only buy up like vacant land or maybe farmland that would have went fallow anyway. Why are they buying up villages like with homes and people living there, you know? Yeah, I I don't know. That's it's very strange, but then again, I have to remember the phrase that I always yell at other people for that sometimes wild events don't need wild explanations, but in this case it kind of seems like I don't it just seems like a piece is missing. Yeah, in this case it's almost like the official story is the wild explanation. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Yeah. So the theory that came about from this mass exodus was that a massive chemical spill had occurred from one of the local factories and that the United States government evacuated the area and boarded up the homes and buildings and would place the government-issued no trespassing signs on all of the doors on these abandoned buildings. This legend added to the aliases of the area, becoming commonly known as Butane Town and Mutant Town, also becoming known as Mutane Town, which from what I read is kind of like a mixture between Butane and Mutant. (laughs) So kind of a little like a a little mixture there. So from this conspiracy, a legend concerning the the chemical spill states that residents of the area that chose to stay behind became mutated by the chemical spill and that they and their mutated children are the cause of some of these supposed paranormal happenings in this area. I was going to say mutane towns kind of sounds like the Russian version of X-Men, not going to lie, but did they harvest or I guess I don't even know how you get butane, but do they make butane here or what? Well, so I'm going to get into that a little bit. Okay. Okay. They're, there wasn't really any big evidence of this massive chemical spill. And apparently, from what I read in the articles, they never even made like butane in that area. 
So it's kind of huh. hard. I, I'm not exactly sure why they chose butane, but. Well, here's the other thing I was thinking. If we were to put citizens, some citizens from 2020 in this time, I could see them, even if it was a mutant town, people would still probably be claiming it was just a government cover up for them to chip us. Like their arms could literally be mutating into like a tentacle and a pig's hoof. And they'll be, they just be like, oh, this is government bullshit. There's no chemical spill here. And then when they fully turn into a mutant, they would blame it on chemtrails. Oh, they blame it on Obama. Obama? <laughs> yeah. Who the hell is Barack Obama in 1970? Oh, yeah, of course. So this legend may have grown out of a group of National Park Service workers getting a really bad rash in 1985 from the Kredge dump. Uh, which was filled with improperly dumped chemicals. Now, the site did enter into a super fund and is now on its way to being cleaned up. Could this have just been like they all got crabs or something? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> there there could have been some hot sauce in there. I was going to say, you know, how you know how freaky them National Park Services boys are. Oh, yeah. Well, I wonder if they tried to grow a little weed in there. <laughs> that could be. They, they are known for... If not growing weed, they all, all like it's well known that those park service workers smoke weed out there. Maybe this is the uh, true story of the intro to Pineapple Express. Possibly. <laughs> that was a great movie. I need to watch that movie again. It is. So one of these mutant legends is that of the Peninsula Python. Uh, Peninsula is one of the main, like the largest towns in Boston Township. The Peninsula Python is said to be a 15 to 18 foot snake that lives in the area. This legend, though, actually came from a previous legend of an escaped snake from a circus trailer passing through Boston Township in or near the town of Peninsula, Ohio. The snake was said to move about through the area and had been seen in the area beginning in 1944 and 1945, scaring residents and eating local farm animals. Now, the legend is still honored in the town of Peninsula, with a yearly python parade and the Peninsula Python named the village's official mascot. Dude, that's pretty fucking cool, though. Yeah, I couldn't imagine living in a town where you had a parade every year to celebrate an escaped 18-foot python. Well, I've, all, when you were telling me that, all I could think about was if you were to take the movie Anaconda and instead you were supposed, you would take a bunch of Ohio Ohio natives down the Erie canal in like a cleveland browns themed boat and then there's just a giant python they're battling there oh yeah it's possible i was trying to think of what a, a ohio food i guess is specifically ohio but the only thing i've ever heard of is skyline chili yeah well i know i don't know if they actually eat them but people always talk about buckeyes eating those things what the hell is a buckeye it's uh, it's like a little, like an acorn type thing. Ah, okay. Mm, okay. Yeah, you didn't know. That's a Ohio State's mascot. It's a little, like a, from a tree, like a little seed thing. Ah, I just thought it was like a big ball thing with antennas. A big, oh, you mean their, their mascot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't I, know where they got that guy from. I don't know. It's probably Urban Meyer's child. I don't know. Yeah. So another legend that has sprung up in Helltown was that of a haunted school bus. And this was completely void of any of its seats. Now, the school bus allegedly 
had its last load of children slaughtered by either, there's actually quite a few different variations, an escaped mental patient, a group of escaped mental patients, a crazed serial killer, a band of crazed killers, or possibly a local group of Satanists or cult members. I mean, number five is obviously the most logical one here. Definitely. And you're going to hear a group of Satanists or cult members come up quite a bit in this episode. So get ready for that. Uh, God, I like how it's like either one mental patient or it's a group of them. For a busload of kids, I think you're going to need a group of them. Yeah. Well, his stabbing arm will get tired after a while. (laughs) And what happens if they get out and they start running around? You couldn't have taken them all out. I mean, if you have a busload of kids has to be at least 20 of them. That's a lot for one escape mental patient to handle. Yeah, very true. It has to be a group of people. (laughs) So legend says that this bus is still there and haunted by apparitions of slain school children sitting in their ghostly bus seats. Also, The ghost of a man, the supposed killer, is seen at the back of the bus, smoking a cigarette. And also experienced uh, by other people, supposedly, is the sounds of screaming and crying children coming from the bus. Okay, so I'm assuming this is... Do you remember that cartoon show we used to watch in elementary school about the cartoon (laughs) bus where they go into space? Yeah. Is this like where the basis for that TV show came from? I think that this is what happens when one of those episodes goes bad. (laughs) The the red-haired principal driver girl lets on an escape mental patient or a group of Satanists, and then you get this. So do they actually, is there like a picture of this bus, or they just say this bus is somewhere out in the Ohio wilderness? Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. Let me get through this. There's So obviously with all of these urban legends... Uh, There's a lot of different tellings. I was going to do one more. Uh, During my research, I did find another telling of this story, and it was on the website Weird Ohio, uh, which has the bus, instead of children, being full of teenagers, and they were going on a skiing trip uh, from their high school. Now, when they passed through this area, the bus driver stopped for a woman who was screaming that her child was unresponsive inside of her home. When the bus driver went up the driveway to her home to try to revive the child, uh, the bus was ambushed. All of the occupants were murdered. Okay, what well, was it? Goddamn Jason Voorhees who went on the bus or what? What's going on here? Yeah, possibly. Especially now it's teenagers, so it's not kids anymore. So I mean, it's definitely a lot harder to kill a bus full of teenagers. I mean, one escape mental patient with a... I mean, teenagers might not might be just playing on their phones or whatever. I, I guess they wouldn't have had phones back then. I don't know. What did, what did kids in the 80s, 70s, and 80s do? Listen to their, like, cassette they're player? <laughs> they're what? Walkman. Oh, they're Walkman. Yeah, there they go. And they're Zumba pants and all of that. Yeah, I don't know. They were so into their Walkmans, they didn't even notice that a killer was coming on board. Well, you know this whole story is bullshit, Phil, because skiing, I'm pretty certain, is illegal in Ohio. Oh, yes, of course. I forgot about that. (laughs) Just like dumping your waste properly and just putting it into whatever river flows through your town. Yeah, basically. In reality, the bus has since been towed and was actually used as uh, a kind of like a home for a family when they had bought a rundown farmhouse and lived inside of the bus during the renovations. The family bought the home before the 1974 land grab, 
that took place uh, when the government bought up all that land. Okay, was this family named Gary Busey? Possibly. What was the movie where he lived in the bus with David Spade in it? Oh, shit. That was Black Sheep. Ah, yes, yes. Maybe this is it here. Yeah, great documentary. <laughs> Excellent political political documentary for anyone who wants to watch that. So another legend comes out of a previously mentioned Boston cemetery. One of the legends surrounding the cemetery includes the graves of the children or teenagers that all died in the school bus massacre. Another legend involving the cemetery includes the ghost of an old man sitting on a bench looking out into space. Now, this legend persists even though Boston Cemetery doesn't actually have a bench uh, for which the ghost could sit on. Okay, I guess it debunks that one. <laughs> Little bit, yeah, just a tiny bit. Legend number three from the cemetery, this is kind of a big part of the, the whole Helltown, is that the trees are haunted and can be seen moving at night. Another telling of this legend is that the previously mentioned local Satanist groups, which, as I mentioned before, will come up a lot in this episode, are actually bewitching the trees in order to protect the group and keep the secret of their dark masses uh, within themselves. <sighs> I don't know why you'd be bewitching a tree. What the hell is yeah. going on here? And if you were bewitching a tree, make it do the whole Lord of the Rings thing and just pop out of the ground. Become a treant, you know, well, I was, fight your battles for you. I was going to say, I was I was always convinced that the hobbits were actually Satanist, but now they're clearly bewitching the trees to fight the orcs. Makes complete sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all starting to make sense now. They've got some kind of Gandalf figure there to hide their child sacrifice. <laughs> Well, he was Gandalf the Grey, which is clearly a Satanist. Then he became a born-again Christian and became Gandalf the White. Yeah, he gave up all of his <laughs> he, devilish ways he of took, he women took, and drugs and all that. He took back his virginity card. Yeah, took it straight <laughs> back from all those orgies. <laughs> so the final legend from the cemetery is that there is a haunted funeral home next to said cemetery where lit candles can be seen inside of the windows. And if you get too close to the funeral home, a group of either robe Satanists or cult members will chase you away from the building. And this is actually the same building as another legend from this hell town cemetery goes of a haunted slaughterhouse in which you will see haunted faces in the window. Are they like haunted pig faces or what? Like what? Then they, who are they slaughtering in the slaughterhouse? Yeah, you would really think that there with this whole urban legend thing there would maybe be also like a haunted butcher or something like that but i didn't see anything like that apparently the old building is just part of an old duplex that they had created for workers back when there was actually people living in this town so that is my fantasy to be employed by a butcher and then live on the property of the butcher so i can smell that constantly yeah well not exactly sure it's an actual, like, former slaughterhouse. So it just said it was part of an old home, but it's called, like, the Haunted Slaughterhouse. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm going to be going into the legends of these, but there's also a bit of, like, reality that I'm going to do afterwards from some of the articles that I've read on the internet that kind of, like, all corroborated, like, the reality of these areas. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. There's also... For this cemetery, 
there's a lot of talk about the gravestones and how some of these gravestones are weird colors or look weird or are very old. But if you've ever been to a really old cemetery, especially a cemetery out here, which has graves from the early 1800s, they're going to look a little weird just because of like what time has done to them. So, mm, mm-hmm. so another Helltown legend states that there is a secluded house past a closed road sign, which houses either a single man or his family. Now, if you get too close to this house, a hearse will emerge and chase you away from the property. This hearse is said to have only one headlight. Okay. Now, according to the article that I read from the internet site, The Ghosts of Ohio, the home was previously owned by a family that did own a hearse, though they only used it during the Halloween season. The house is actually there. The road su- the road closed sign is there, but there are locked gates that exist outside of this home. So you really, I don't think you actually could go onto this property. Huh, interesting. I mean, if the person who is living there was doing this just to scare people, I mean, that is kind of spooky, but uh, I'm kind of feeling like it's just bullshit. Yeah, a little bit. It is kind of cool to think that, like, I, I really... I'm not a huge Halloween person, but I like people who are huge Halloween people, just not like year round. If you get big into Halloween during Halloween, you know, but take your shit down in November. But I mean, if you owned a hearse just because it was a cool thing to have during Halloween, that'd be pretty sweet, like to have in your hometown. Maybe he was just a really big fan of like um, Ghostbusters. Or the Munsters. <laughs> or the Munsters. There you uh, go. I was did they have a hearse or was it the Adams family? I'm sure they were the two edgiest families on TV. I'm sure they both did. That was true, especially for the 50s. Unless it's a reverse Jehovah's Witness that if you come on their property, they chase you to try to tell you about God. That would be great if for yet you know, like Jehovah's Witness family living in your neighborhood, you just go knock on their door every once in a while and tell them about, you know, being an atheist. It'd be kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> Don't actually do that. That's no, no, please don't, don't be, do that. Don't be like them. But yeah. other legends that include local roads are the dead end road in which a driver passes a road closed sign. And this will lead you down to the Boston Cemetery, after which the road ends mysteriously. And the legend is that satanic cults put up the signs to hide their demonic activities. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they're previously mentioned demonic activities so well i mean if we're following the timeline of crazy people in 2020 you'd think that essentially at the end of this uh, closed road they would be the democratic national convention oh yeah because they're claiming much. they're claiming that's where all the satanists are now yeah oh I, i've seen those memes yeah so definitely cr- so cringy yeah all of the uh, all the people that gave speeches, they were putting like weird faces on them. My God, using the, they were using like the face swap meet uh, apps and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. can see that. They were pretty funny. I'll give them that. that was, they're they're pretty good. So the, another one is called the End of the World Road, which legend says is a haunted stretch of road in which a spirit takes control of your car and forces you to crash. Now, another part of this legend says that if you travel down this road, a group of robed Satanists will form a human chain around your car, and this will be forcing you to stop so they could do whatever they wanted to you. That's not how you play Red Rover. (laughs) (laughs) 
this end of the world road is a winding road that goes up a steep hill and it crests at the top with a severe drop off on the other side. And back in the past and possibly now even people would drive really fast up this hill in order to feel like they were dropping off the edge of the world after racing off of the crest on top of that hill. I mean, all of these legends, Phil, if we're being serious, you know, we joke around, whatever. This is literally every single 70s and 80s horror movie cliche that you have just mentioned here. Yeah, I'm going to go into it a little bit at the end, but I might as well say it now. It's it's all of these are such urban legends. It's just amazing. They all are tied into each other. Like you keep hearing about the Satanists. You keep hearing about someone or some group chasing you if you get too close to something. It's well, just very, I, I mean, it's it's all very interesting. It's just kind of crazy how all of these urban legends have centered in this one town. Well, it sounds like if you want to visit Helltown, if you don't drive a car, you're going to be perfectly fine. Yeah, everything seems to be like have to do with a car. Like you have to have a car, except for like the cemetery stuff, but... I bet these were formed by all those people who block the road when they're riding their bicycles. Oh, those assholes. They want to get the cars off of the road so they can bike everywhere. Yeah, I don't condone hitting anyone with your car, except, you know. No, No, don't do that. Don't actually do that. (laughs) So the highway to Hell Road, that is another local road that has some legend around it. In this legend, there is an axe murderer that is said to travel down this road killing motorists who utilize the road at night. And this is actually the same road as the end of the world road. Okay. Well, I'm to be fair, that's pretty fucking metal. Well, I mean, shit, during the 70s, there may have been a fucking axe murder because they were they were everywhere during that time frame. I think you're thinking of like the 1900s, early 1900s, Phil. The 70s? Of that's axe when- murderers? Oh, axe murders. Oh, I meant serial killers. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, killer, for sure. They, they, those were everywhere, but they have switched to a gun. Yeah, well, it's just like that episode of Bumblebutt podcast that we did. We were talking about all the axe murderers. Yeah, that's... That's just because they had the axes at hand at that time. Yeah, I think in the 70s, axes were a little out of fashion. Yeah, it was cliche, It was just a cliche to... Uh, or passe to use an axe well, when they would go to their conventions. To be, they would to, make fun of the pistol. To be honest, if we're following our correlation between Helltown and Lord of the Rings, maybe this is Gimli killing people <laughs> come too close to his cave or wherever he came from. Yeah, possible. <laughs> Trying to get his treasures. Yeah. So located on Boston Mills Road in Peninsula, Crybaby Bridge crosses over the old... Ohio and Erie Canal, and legend has it that a woman in white threw her baby off of the bridge. Now, supposedly, you can park your car on this bridge at night, and if you turn off the engine, leave your keys in the ignition, and lock the doors, and after you walk away from the car, and it suggests that you bring a spare set of keys for this, but when you return to the vehicle, the car will be on even though the car doors are still locked and there will be supposedly like a layer of dust that'll form on the car with little tiny like baby handprints all over your car. Almost like a, like you were on a farm and there was a bunch of cats there. You know what's interesting, actually, now that you tell this story? So, uh, what the hell? I think it's Travel Channel. They have a show called like Paranormal Caught on Tape, right? It's just 
basically YouTube videos or whatever of people's paranormal experiences. Now, mm-hmm. I I think they had a video of this uh thing here, right? This bridge, because in it it was basically two. It was like three people. They locked their car, took the keys off, and then they went up to this bridge, and you, like, yell something, and this paranormal shit's supposed to happen. Well, allegedly, in the video, they did that. Then all of a sudden, their, like, car alarm and shit started going off and all this stuff. Very interesting. Yeah, these, these, I was going to say, just to end this little part of the legend, that there are a shit ton of these crybaby bridges all over the United States in which there's some kind of legend that like a child was thrown off of them and you can hear like either the mother crying or the children crying, whatnot. So, I mean, crybaby bridges are pretty common across the U S uh, there's also people who claim to have seen the woman in white, um, just kind of standing on this bridge, like looking out into the water. You ever notice all these women who allegedly kill their babies, throw them off a bridge, whatever. Why are they always wearing white? I don't know. Like, are you, do you, you like, hey, I'm going to kill my kid today. I better put on my best white outfit for later in life. Like, what? why is it always a white dressed person? Well, <laughs> back in Victorian era, pre-Victorian era, um, people used to wear white to funerals. They They didn't wear black. Actually, women would wear black to their wedding. But Queen Victoria changed that because... She wanted to wear white. So then everyone started wearing white to their wedding. Interesting. It's funny you bring that up because literally, uh, I think it was yesterday, Bianca was showing me this black wedding dress. And mm-hmm. then I was making fun of it because it's like, I'm so different. I wear a black wedding dress and I wear white to a funeral because I'm so badass. And it's funny that you mentioned that. Apparently people did do that. Yeah, that used to be the the custom was Black on your wedding, white to funerals. Mm, I say wear whatever goddamn color you want. Yeah, that's true. Even if it's a Cleveland Browns themed <laughs> wedding dress, you wear it, goddammit. I will say I have seen people wearing, it was the the all of the, the groomsmen and the groom, they were all wearing like denim. It looked like a Canadian tuxedo. It was like a denim jacket and blue jeans. And... I would not suggest wearing that. I but. would. I bet. Did you when you went in there? Did you go, holy shit? Am I in in a Tim Hortons or what? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was drinking fucking uh, Labatt Blue. Labatt Blues. Yeah, I was <laughs> Molson's, say Molson's, Yeah. So I did actually find a pretty decent story from a website called strangeandspookyworld.com. dot com. So you know it's legit. Yeah, I, that's. It sounds 100% legit. I trust everything they say on there. Oh, definitely. And this comes from a Melissa from Akron, Ohio. Okay, that's where LeBron's from, right? Yeah, I believe so. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's his alias. Allegedly, he might be an (laughs) alien, though. He's too fucking good. (laughs) This bridge is freaky. One night, me and a bunch of friends went there and saw all kinds of weird stuff. We didn't stop the car or do the thing where you lock your keys in the door. We just drove back and forth across the bridge a bunch of times. One time, we all saw what looked like a lady in a long white dress standing on the side of the bridge. When we got closer and the headlights hit her, she disappeared. We drove back across the bridge a few more times 
but we never saw her again. We did see what looked like a giant black cat or something run right in front of our car. So that's one of the stories that came about Crybaby Bridge. Okay, so she, they saw the lady in white, then there's a black cat. Okay, the cat, maybe not that unusual. There's probably wild cats everywhere, but I don't, I don't know. Do you give credence, or do you think this this girl is telling tall tales? Well, I'm not exactly sure. If she was just telling a tall tale, she probably would have claimed to do the locked car trick with the baby footprints all over it. But it's one of those things where maybe they saw something. Maybe it was just kind of... Because like when you're driving on a weird road and you already have a weird feeling about it, your brain can kind of like play tricks on you, I'm kind of thinking. so. Well, the thing that I'm thinking is we, you and I were obviously high schoolers at one point, and the younger kids like to go to the haunted road and then they see a grasshopper fly across their car and assume it's Lucifer himself drive off at a fast rate of speed and then tell everybody they saw a demon flying across their window. Like I could see that happening. I I don't know. It's there's not enough detail. You know, it's too basic, I think. Or maybe they see a deer's eyes or possum's eyes or raccoon's eyes in the in the ditch. And they think it's some kind of demon looking out at them from the <laughs> weeds in the ditch. <laughs> it's very possible. Or they see maybe it's a Costco sample lady walking home from work and they just are terrified and, and drive off past her. That could be too. That would be horrible. God, that, honestly, if you go to a haunted house and they had a room that was just sample people trying to give you samples and you ju- you got to try to get away from them before they cuz you never make direct contact otherwise you're going to have to take a sample even you would be you- definitely looking for a poltergeist to help you out in that situation <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i do remember there was one time i was driving from your house back to my house down which is was down oak avenue past lime springs and i remember i did see one little set of eyes out in the the, the weeds in the ditch. And then all of a sudden I saw probably 20, 25 pairs of eyes. All of a sudden it was just an entire family of raccoons crossing the road. I nearly hit them. Luckily I swerved a little bit, but I'm probably lucky I didn't go in the ditch. It was on a gravel road. Yeah. I don't think so. Like you and I have experience, but in the middle of the country, it is dark, right? Like there is no, Street lights, there's no nothing. It's just pure darkness. So when you see eyes or you see anything, it just is immediately freaky. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even while driving with all of that corn, seeing the little shadows in the corn, thinking it's people or children of the corn. Or Amish. Or Amish, even worse. (laughs) There you go. So the last of the legends involves a church uh, in the town of Peninsula, Ohio, which was in Boston, which is in Boston Township. Now, the legend of the Satanic Church, which features upside down crosses, candles burning at all hours of the night, and a man that stands guard in the basement who refuses to let anyone see his face. Uh, also, it says that this church supposedly is never open for mass, no matter when you go to this church. And I actually sent you a picture of this church if you scroll down a little bit. Hell yeah, this thing looks badass. Okay. 
So the satanic church in the legend is actually Mother of Sorrows, which is a church in Peninsula. Now it uses an old Gothic style of architecture uh, that actually looks like upside down crosses. And these are at the angles where the two edges of the roof actually meet. So they come up and it forms a triangle. But as you can see in this, and I'll put this on Instagram for you guys to see, it comes up and then there's a crossbar with a bar going down vertically. And it looks like an upside down cross. Supposedly, this is just the old style of architecture that they used to use when creating churches back whenever this thing was built. Well, let me say, I got two things here. First off, church kind of looks like the Church on the Creep at Rails t-shirt. Yeah. Doesn't it? Number two, I've already solved this. You have a town full of drunk Irish people. Of course they installed the cross upside down. That's all it was. Yeah, you're lucky the building's still standing after <laughs> however many years it's been up. You know Mickey didn't wasn't paying attention when he's up on the shaft or <laughs> on the scaffolding. scaffolding. He had a beer yeah. with him as he was hammering. Yeah, you know you know damn well his Guinnesses were falling down on his bro's heads and he's just like fuck I let's just get this up so I can get back to the bar. <laughs> His potatoes yeah. were falling everywhere. It's just, just how it was. <laughs> he just had potatoes falling out of his pocket. Yeah. He Whoops, tried to... I meant to bring up nails with me. I was going to say he's probably pounding the nails in with a potato. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> all right. So about the candles being lit at all hours of the night, uh, lit candles in a church really shouldn't be that big of a surprise to anyone. In the churches that we had, were forced to go to when we were kids, people used to just leave candles lit those little candles after they would walk away. Absolutely. I do believe that they would put those candles out at night though. They had the little hook thing that they would cover up the, the candle flame with the little, uh, Catholic stave. It's a little wizard yeah, the, stave extinguishes the, little, the flame. Yeah. The extinguisher staff things. So one thing I, I mentioned this before, but kind of throw it in there now so one thing that i noticed about all these stories is how many of them follow like the very common urban legend formula uh this includes showing up at a certain place or uh, at a certain place at a certain time breaking some kind of rule and getting punished for it either being scared chased away or killed also there's many many different versions of these same stories uh, center around mostly the same place or person and little to no historical evidence for the basis of any of these stories. So it, I mean, I really do. I'm, I'm going to ask what you think about this in a second. I really do like, I love urban legends. I love old stories, but it is amazing that so many urban legends popped up in this place. And I really do think it was how many people were forced to leave and how many vacant buildings there were that maybe made up all of these legends just because of how creepy this area was. Well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting, it's very intriguing. I don't know if I've ever even heard of a location that I can think of off the top of my head that has this many goddamn urban legends attached to it. Yeah. With so many variations too. Yeah. But like I said, a lot of them are very cliche, unless all the cliches started here, and now we just use them everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, possibly they're cliches for a reason, because, you know, that's what always kind of like the same thing just keeps happening and happening over and over again. 
Well, I can tell you what, man. I would visit this place and hopefully I meet a nice group of individuals who, wearing their black craft cult shirts uh, <laughs> and they will be approaching my car wanting to talk shit about organized religion, I guess. I, I don't know. That's what I think of when I think of Satanists. I don't really know if they're sacrificing us to Lucifer or whatever. I think that's a little... I don't think very many of them do that. Yeah, in some of the stories that I found on, like, a few of these articles, they a few of these articles, I'm going to say, had, like, people's personal stories, mostly from the internet. Which is also a problem because who knows if they've <laughs> ever even been to this town. Nobody lies on the internet. Are you insane? Of course, only good people use Reddit. I'm sorry. But <laughs> there were stories on these articles where some people were saying that if you park your car and walk away from it, you'll see like random strange people like peeking inside your car. And then when you walk back towards your vehicle, they'll run away. So there is like, I guess, creepy people. Uh, apparently like supposedly what it is like the townspeople maybe don't like people hunting down these urban legends or these paranormal activities. So they're possibly trying to scare people away from it, but that just adds to the legend then, you know, it's kind of a weird little thing. I mean, coming, growing up in small towns, I could 100% say if you, if they don't recognize you and you come to the town, people are very weary about it. Yeah, or fucking looky woos, people who slow down as your car passes by them so they can look in look in your vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So I'm um, if if this town has this much notoriety, I can guarantee people from all over the place are visiting it, so they're like, I wanna have I guess I wanna get butchered alive by Gimli or whatever. I don't know what they wanna <laughughs> accomplish there, but uh yeah, I, I I don't know. It's really awesome. And I would visit it in a heartbeat, especially the uh satanic church i guess uh it's very small church by the way yeah it is a very small church there's supposedly another like there's another church in this town that also could be like the basis for some of that legend there's another church that's larger with a basement that has offices and classrooms in it and that's where they think the part of the legend where there's a man in the basement who hides his face they think that that's where it came from I just wanted to show like this church because with the upside down crosses, that's kind of the big thing with Satanism is the upside down cross. Okay. The man who's hiding his face in the basement here, could it possibly have been Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now? That is possible. <laughs> he doesn't show his face. It also might be just Paul Hogan. We don't know where he went after those Crocodile he Dundee can... movies. So <laughs> He's just sharpening his knife in the basement. <laughs> he sharpens it down to it's just a nub now. So what do you, what do you think, Phil? Do you think there's some credibility here? Or do you think it's just kind of like an amalgamation of just crazy stories that kind of has roll out of control? Because in my head, I kind of think like such a horrific thing happened with the government seizing the homes and burning them and all that, that it kind of created this perfect storm for people to believe like it's a haunted place or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's kind of what I think it is. I think it's partly that, partly people traveling through the town and seeing just the, the devastation of all these abandoned buildings. Some of them burnt down. They're all shuttered, wondering what the fuck happened here. And then all of a sudden, like little stories, oh, I heard this. Oh, I heard this. And, you know, just like telephone, those little stories change every time. So, I mean, 
like we were making fun of Lime Springs, Iowa. I could picture somebody passing through the town and seeing some guy mowing his lawn and assume it was a mutant man. I I could definitely see that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, (laughs) yeah, that Lime Springs, I think in about 20 years, it's going to be just like this town where you're going to see all the old stores and all the old homes. And there's just going to be a few people living in that town. I, I think they're down to two bars now. I think they're yeah. down to two bars. I think. I'm not certain. Is the rendezvous still open? Which one's that? Uh, one of the two shitty bars. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's. I don't know. It's, it's just the one my dad used to go to. I, 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 I think there's a VFW, and then I think there's the Dam Bar or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just there's no young people moving to those these little towns anymore. So that's the probably the worst thing is. Like this town, it's almost like the Band-Aid was ripped off. A mm. town, a town like most, like like most ghost towns, are very slow. They don't have this sudden death. It's just just like if you watch, listen to crime and sports. It's just a slow death over like half a century. Uh, could be. I have one one serious question though. I wonder if Helltown or Boston, Ohio, I should say, has more like Lime Springs. Has more Trump 2020 flags than they do citizens hanging out. Oh, I would imagine. <laughs> Being in like rural Ohio, I yeah, I definitely could see it. Largest shipment of MAGA hats in the country to Boston, Ohio. There you go. Anyway, Phil, if uh, somebody else wants to comment, if they've ever been to Helltown or whatever, ever seen it, live nearby it or something, where can they email us at? Well, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. They can also get to us on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, thank you guys so much for all of the uh, comments and the likes and everything that we've been getting recently. Feels good. Now it feels like we're back out of the COVID funk that all podcasts have been going through. So thanks for that. Also, Cody's about to mention it, but thank you for all of the reviews and thank you for the review from Deadpool Wilson that this episode came from. Keep them coming because if it's good, we will definitely use it. And oh, Cody, yeah. what's uh, what's your pod, your Instagram? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody Zababa. Follow me on there. Chat, toss me some episode ideas. You know, uh, Maybe there's a UFO event that I'm not familiar with. That'd be great. The last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. It doesn't really matter what you say. Just type whatever type of episode recommendation in there like Deadpool Wilson did. Or if you're a Spotify user, just hit the follow button and you'll always be updated when we drop the newest episode. Otherwise, uh, Phil, fantastic episode. I love this sort of stuff. It's really just fun to talk about. Uh, hopefully, Helltown or whatever is a real it's a real thing. Maybe we'll get to see it one day. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. 